Welcome back to the podcast for winners. I'm James. This is my co-host, Zach. And this week, we're going to be talking about the death of specialization in the United States. Not exactly. That's a little bit of hyperbole, but we're going to talk about the gig economy in the U.S., how this has affected more specialized fields for the average laborer, and, uh, you know, what, what's the gig economy look like going forward into this new um, unemployment high that we're having. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. Hell for a man lost and laughed. Hey everyone, so we're talking about the gig economy today. James, so I kind of have an idea in my head of what the gig economy is and all these things popping up like Uber or Postmates. But if you asked me to try to define the gig economy, I would have no idea what to say. So maybe we should start out with what what, what is the gig economy? So... The gig economy has been a while for a really long time. It's been around for a really long time, um, well before Ubers and Postmates and TaskRabbits and all those. Um, but gig workers are like independent contractors, um, online platform workers, uh, contract firm workers, on-call workers, and temporary workers. So, what the gig economy that was around before, like these tech-enabled platforms, were around. Was did you have a did you ever have a summer job? Ever work over the summer? Absolutely, yeah. I used to work at a grocery store. <laughs> did I did uh, landscaping? I did a lot of yard work for old people in high school. That was fun. Oh, nice. They pay out those traps. I see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All that push mowing. None of them have. It's crazy, man. They none of them have like a mower with any electronic parts whatsoever. Like you just got. <laughs> How I got how I got strong legs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so you were a probably you probably didn't pay taxes on the yard work, but uh, I was cheating Uncle Sam with my <laughs> my dollar uh, bills under the table. Yeah, but uh, probably at the grocery say your seasonal work at the grocery store, you probably got a W two, and if you didn't, don't say anything about it. Um, <laughs> got a w so that would have been like okay so that would have been like a short-term w-2 and in that case you were a gig worker at that point in your life so there are people that actually work like this um like full-time they like to have the flexibility of being a gig worker i mean it offers you like i said flexibility it offers you kind of you know your own, well, that's flexibility. I was going to say your own schedule. But yeah, the flexibility is the number one thing, <laughs> to be honest. So there's a lot of people that will work uh, seasonal at, you know, fucking Whole Foods or something like that. And then oh, or, go uh, back to their Amazon uh, job or something yeah, like that. Yeah, packing plant. I remember that. Didn't multiple of our friends work over the holidays at a hand packing plant? Yeah. Yes, I did. A gig? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I worked a gig at a uh, Hunting Baked Ham um, facility. Oh, I remember <laughs> one of them. I was thinking that it was other people. Yeah, cool. 
perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, me, Dino, Scott. Yeah. So we worked at Honey Big Ham, and it was. I'm gonna tell you something about those hams. <laughs> They're very expensive, but I don't know if I would eat. I would <laughs> eat one again. So uh, take that, you know how you'd like, but listen. Yeah. Where the food comes from. That's. Would you say that again? Don't ask questions about where the food comes from. You're yeah, right. I try not to. Your restaurants aren't for me. I enjoy food too much to see what goes on behind behind closed doors. But um, yeah, where were we? We were uh, yeah. So gig economies are all those independent contractors out there, seasonal workers. Your respect your Uber drivers, Uber Eats, Postmates, Dashboards. Yeah, all those guys. Okay, and, and why? Uh, why uh why is this like an important topic like you, you hear that term the gig economy come up a lot whether it's on finance shows or just the general news or in random blog posts you know everywhere podcasts right so the gig economy usually comes up when well lately it's because all these gigantic companies of course are are engaged in enabling gig workers so uber postmates uh uber eats task rabbit uh they've enabled like even more people in the past few years to be able to work like this but the big important reason why gig work kind of starts to come up is unemployment of course so right now we're in a very turbulent time in for the economy and for unemployment because of the covid19 pandemic um, and in the past, we saw gig work kind of like a surge in gig work in post-2008 financial crisis. So over the last 10 years with um, tech-enabled, you know, like I said, those Ubers, Postmates, Tesla, it's all those um, popping up. We've seen an increase in gig workers. So the gig economy has grown like 15% over the last decade. And uh, it's like 6 million more gig workers today than in 2010. And like six million, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So um, with a ton of gig workers already out in the ecosystem and like more and more people filing for unemployment by the day and like the lack of jobs that we're seeing like jobs aren't coming back i don't think quite as fast as people thought like because we, we reopened but then you know of course our numbers now uh in august are higher than they were in april so it's uh it's we're in a weird spot where we can't fully reopened so like everybody can't go back to work and now we're talking about like the intersection of um professional life and our education system so if schools don't open the way they're supposed to how are people like not everyone has the luxury of um leaving their kid at home they maybe can't afford childcare. so does gig work allow these people to you know have the flexibility to have their kids at home and still maybe earn a living. So it's, it's a, it's, it's gonna, it's a big puzzle piece to try to fit in right now in our current climate.
right? Yeah. That's a good point about the flexibility. I think, I mean, I bet most people that have used Uber somewhat frequently have had an experience with an Uber driver where they strike up a conversation and you learn really random, interesting things about them. Like I remember when I was in Colorado, there was a random guy who was asking me about my school because he was talking about like his daughter who was looking at schools at the time. And he was like, oh, she wants to visit there. Like I do this. So just to get a little bit of extra money to prepare for that. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a useful thing for people. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a point where, um, yeah, there were some government shutdowns in the DC area where I live. And, um, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Uber drivers I had during that time, they were government workers who were just supplementing income or they were, um, I guess one, I think one time I had a personal trainer whose parents or whose clients were kids and all of their parents like had canceled because the shutdown was in effect and they weren't able to have that, that uh, disposable income to send their kids to, you know, be trained by this guy. So he was just driving for Uber. So like there's that flexibility and somewhat of a security net too, I guess. But. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, kind of the examples we're talking about right now, they sound more like, supplementary income or kind of a backup plan for people so they can still generate some income if something happens with their uh, regular job. But before that, we'd mentioned how much this is growing and how there are more and more people now using this as kind of almost their career, right? You might want to say. Yeah. Keep doing the same gigs or flit around between them. And that sounds like it possibly has some implications for um, kind of the, a shift in labor in America and maybe the mindset of the American workforce? Yeah, I think there has been a bit of a shift generally from, I don't know, I, from like, I don't even want to say the last year, maybe like two generations ago to like now. I don't know, the there's of course been a decrease in like manual labor, I mean, like jobs in certain areas of the country. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, we're from Ohio. We're from steel plants, the Rust Belt. Yeah, steel plants and car manufacturers, and and particularly we're closer to Cleveland than any other part of Ohio. I don't know. Where are you closer to? Cleveland was closest, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, like, we saw, like, what an absence of jobs does to, <laughs> to an account. When you take an entire uh, industry away from a region, what that does to a, a town or a city. Right. So, I think, like, when we're talking about times, like, post-08 and even now, like, when you start something as an adult, and this is getting more into psychology, so I'm kind of just going off on a tangent here, but when you start off in a period where like there's a little bit of desperation, so you're, you're doing these gig work, you're doing this gig work to kind of get by. And then you kind of start to realize like, Hey, this is actually providing like decent amount of money for, 
what I need to do with this money and whether that's just supplement your other part-time job or actually full-time take care of everything people start to get comfortable and then gig work is really flexible and then um there's a lot of availability specifically with like tech enabled gig work like it's the barrier to entry is very low mm-hmm. so i think it's kind of a why not thing <laughs> and then there's, you can get into the argument that like the workforce is becoming a little bit less motivated <laughs> and <laughs> and this is i mean this is a lot of opinion here you can get into the into the thing the, the uh, workforce is a little less motivated kids are a little bit lazier um education listen to you you boomer <laughs> no education in certain areas is a little less available so this is a easier option with lower barrier to entry and you can work on your own time i, I think people kind of gravitate towards something like that yeah that makes sense um well then another thing too when i like hear this and hear what you're saying and as we get into this so the reason you mentioned the jo- jobs leaving places like uh, yeah field belt or the rest belt or whatever and part of the reason why that's so devastating to a community is because there's so much knowledge in that community that's been built up over time people develop all these different specializations just related to that field yeah and so then I almost hear some of this and it almost sounds like there's less opportunity to kind of work towards a career goal or a building up a competency of some kind if you're just doing gig work. Since since it's so temporary, nobody's going to invest in giving you a specific type of long-term skill, right? That you can then maybe use for yourself later to create more opportunities for yourself in lots of different ways right unless it's like like so with the tech enabled gig work that's very much so true but with things like minus one which would be like task rabbit task rabbit is like you marketing like your skills i'm pretty sure to other people to do a specific job so like if i want someone to come and make a fucking chair for me <laughs> I'm like yo hit up task rabbit but a carpenter or a carpenter's apprentice will come and like something like that so i think it's um it does reflect a shift in like a shift from skilled labor in like certain instances but i mean there's just less skilled labor today than there was 10 years ago in general and um i think that's more a reflection of like how we're kind of teaching kids i don't know this isn't an education episode but like going all over the place yeah that's fine (laughs) but uh i think it's it's more of a reflection of like the way we're kind of um you know molding you know kids in high school you know whether we're pushing them toward um you know college for the ones that it's right for or toward you know, some sort of trade school for the one that's right for, you know. But again, this is a lot of, it's a lot of opinion in here. So. <laughs> a, lot of, 
Yeah. Well, no, but it, I mean, it does sound like a big shift like that that has to have like implications for the future, and you know, I, we're going to be missing some of that skilled labor if the trend continues. You know, and then maybe I mean, we can just use the example of Uber. Eventually, all the cars are just going to be automated which will be great because a lot less people will die in traffic accidents, but then those people don't have their gig job anymore, right? Right. Yeah, there there will be a shortage. There will be excess humans and a shortage of humans with skilled labor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like the, the Uber thing is a good example this is why it's so important to like skills are still very important. I know people don't like to think that. And I know it's so easy to just look up things on the internet now and it's so readily accessible, but having an actual skill is, is important. Um, yeah, you're but yeah. telling me that getting a trade apprenticeship or getting a degree isn't the same thing as just going to Google and looking up how to do it yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. Like people don't even realize like so there's a lot of like real estate development happening in my area right now. Mm -hmm. Ton of cranes everywhere. And like a kid can go to school right out of high school, train to be a crane operator and make six figures. Instead, um he doesn't come out of high school with the proper knowledge to know that that's even an op option for him and ends up working at, you know, a gig job or something like that. That's less fulfilling and doesn't pay as well. You know, I think, you know, just skills don't skilled labor, I think has got the bad, is <laughs> getting a very bad rap over the last decade or two <laughs> personally. But, yeah, so I actually, I see a lot of people, at least that try not, at least where I'm from, in little redneck land, people are very pro uh, skilled labor learning a trade, but I don't think they sell it right because it's not, they don't talk about it, and the they is just random people commenting on it, not like, I don't know what school administrators and stuff like that are doing, or people whose job it is actually doing stuff, but the buzz around the community, right? Yeah. It's not about like, hey, this is something that could be fulfilling and give you a competency and pay you well. It's more they just resent higher education. <laughs> so then it's just kind of a negative adversarial thing that's just trying right. to do this dollars to dollars comparison, uh, you know, where they take a very lucrative trade, like, I don't know, plumbing or something. Uh, compare it to a very worthless degree, which I will not say to not inflame anyone's <laughs> personal business management. You know, there's, there are degrees that are kind of like a privilege to even go get because it's not really an investment at that point. You're just learning to learn, right? And financially, it's not an investment. I, I, I want to be careful. Yeah. It is good to invest in your own personal knowledge and edification self-actualization and all that but not everybody can afford to just go do that so so yeah i mean you know we won't mention them but our undergrad 
recently collapsed a ton of majors to save money. And it yeah. made a ton of sense because there weren't very many people in those majors. And even though it is a liberal arts school, the school's strength is clearly the like applied fields, like the business college is big, the engineering and manufacturing college is big, and then like the pharmacy and nursing colleges are big. And like that's where the, that's why the people are coming to the school is to do one of those three things. And go yeah, or play sports. Fulfill <laughs> <laughs> their dream of being being a college athlete and then wondering four years later why they destroyed their body like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's um yeah, everything it's so crazy though, like everything it's semi like related to marketing. Like it's I don't like uh mentioning uh forty five in this podcast, but I don't like to get too political. Um Okay, he's a dick. It's fine. Yeah. But it's crazy how like if you're just like a marketer, you can either sway or dissuade anybody from doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, persuasive, persuasive writing and speech, right? Yeah. It's like higher education sucks. I guess I'll be a plumber and not be happy. You know, it's so weird. What people in Wayne County say, man. <laughs> you know. And also, like, I personally, like, kind of wish I just had gone to like a trade school. Because the things I actually want to do are like, not, don't get me wrong, I love finance, so I'm happy about that. But the businesses that I want to like get into later in life require a trade that I currently don't have. But. Well, I don't think in general, and I, this is not like a school problem. I don't think this is just a our culture in general problem. Yeah, exactly. Not to get too off base, but like we do a really bad job of communicating that it's like okay if you're not i mean i'll just use an example from my world but there's a million other examples right like it's okay if you're not the person that you go to undergrad you get perfect grades you get your phd you finish in four years then you go get like a research faculty position at a big research school and you're right. like 28 on top of the world at like the best job you can get on tenure track yeah most people end up messing around in their 20s and then Sometime in their 30s, they figure out, like, okay, this is actually the career I want to pursue. And yeah. I, things like just – I actually loved – I don't remember which person it was during the the uh, the primary process, but someone came up with a thing for, like, I don't know if it was mandatory or not, but it was a big push on national service, which I think would be a great thing for people to do after high school because nobody knows what the hell they want to do while they're yeah. in it. They don't think about it. They're worried about high school things. And it's just like such a almost random process. And it's not random, but you know what I mean? Like you could rerun that, you could rerun high school like thousands of times and you would end up doing something different after high school. Yeah. Every single time, just because it's so like, just, you know, it's like what, what mood were you in when you heard about this one thing and then happened to go visit <laughs> school? Like, right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how like malleable. <laughs> You are from like fourteen to like twenty eight. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, and I think that like the shock of all that would be a lot less harsh if, like, say, when if the educators were more realistic about what the expectations would be. I think people do a terrible job of managing expectations. 
Yeah, maybe that's the problem. People do a really bad job of being honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For lots of different reasons. Some of them are, which are malicious, you know? Yeah. But I think, like, and this kind of segues into the next topic, like education. I think our, I mean, there have been a lot of talks about, like, for like the last decade of how our education system's working. And before we talked about this, we were talking about our reliance on bringing in highly competent people from other countries to get PhDs, basically. Right, exactly. But while we have a very large sect of our population that is undereducated, underfunded, and under resourced, and my argument, and this will be my argument, until something changes is that the talent is there and we just don't care about it. And that that's like, um, and then these people end up going into gig work and not yep. living up to their potential. That's fair. There's and, probably uh, truth to that. I mean, where all this, all this resent that's resulted in our current situation has to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. Probably one of, uh, one of a larger set of things. Yeah. I think there's probably truth in that. I mean, just, I saw, so, uh, the, the Dem ticket just got completed, right? And mm-hmm. I saw that, oh, what was the stat? I'm going to mess it up. But it was something like the first time in the last, like, five presidential elections that the Dem ticket has not had an Ivy Leaguer on it. Oh, really? Like, yeah, those are, like, very prestigious schools and lead to these yeah. like, It's a funneling process, but, like, that's insane. But makes like that's crazy right that's just a crazy crazy thing makes no sense it's like no no wonder people people in ohio get a little get a little bent out of shape even if it's a little uh a little thoughtless sometimes a lot of the time but yeah and it's like i don't understand like even why that's like just like we have the technology and relative, like apparently, like money doesn't matter anyway. Just fucking educate everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like we're wondering why we're falling behind in like intellectual workforce. Yeah, India and like China educate everyone in the exact same way, and they have ample talent because of it. But. That's another discussion for another day. It disproportionately affects people that look like me, so I'm a little bit passionate about it. But yeah. it's fucking stupid. Um, yeah, what else we got on the docket today? Uh, how do we how do we uh, roll this all back into the gig economy? So yeah, I mean, I think the gig economy's growth has a lot to do with um, just relating it back to the education topic. Is I don't, I don't even want to say a failure of our education system because that sounds a little apocalyptic and hyperbolic, but I think a lot of it does have to do with, you know, not knowing, you know, available options for you, whether that comes in, you know, post-high school, post-college. But, um, yeah, and, like, the gig economy has been around for a while. It's always going to be here. But like going forward um, with our record like unemployment, it'll be interesting because I'm not sure exactly 
how the economics of this is going to work if everyone's a gig worker. <laughs> so who's like, because most gig work is like service right. work. So there has to be a certain amount or a certain proportion of the population that's outside of the ecosystem that requires that service for yeah, it to yeah. work. <laughs> so we'll give us everyone... enough money to pay each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If everyone works for Uber, how does? <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, but of course, you know, we don't want to get to a point <laughs> in our in our economy that gig work is the only available work. So, oh, it's so yeah, what's uh, what's Space King Jeff Bezos? <laughs> oh yeah, I think. The, the gig economy at this point, like in 08, this, this surge in gig work that we're going to see, it's just a side effect of high unemployment right now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's an option out there. I just wanted to talk about it because it's such a big part of, you know, the economic story that we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. But if you have anything else to add, we're at 30 minutes. So, we can begin to wrap this up. Yeah, no, I think that was a nice little discussion touching on many things relevant to many people's lives. Um, Let's see. We should end on something positive. We always end on something positive on the winner's podcast, right? So, oh, here's what I say. So if you happen to be someone who is looking and trying to figure out what they want to do with their life right now, you know, um, keep an open mind. Be curious, most important. You gotta you gotta put the work in to go look things up. There's so much stuff that I know now that I wish I knew when I was coming out of high school. It's crazy. It's like how much would that have changed things? But then I just sound then me and James wouldn't know each other because maybe I wouldn't have gone there with you. So, you know, Damn it. <laughs> yeah, you know so I went down that other path. Like well, so I, I work <laughs> so I found out about a scholarship that I could have gotten and I would have been a very good candidate for coming out of high school where basically the DOD just pays entirely for your STEM degree and your guaranteed internships at one of their labs every summer. And then you get a job and you just have, to, it's like committing to the army. Like they pay for four years, you yeah. don't work for them for four years and you can do what you want. Like, Oh, that would have been a really nice thing. But you know, yeah. And you wouldn't be in all this debt. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the debt came. That's from. insane. What's she gonna do? Yeah, it happens. That is insane that that's even a thing. Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> know about it. It's like, why did yeah. I do this? Man, it's like a national scholarship. Hey, what's she gonna do? Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've been in similar situations. I mean, I'm just a poor, lowly little inner city kid who went to suburban high school. So, my growing up, my dad was literally he was a veteran. So like it was mostly like military was like the option, but like going to high school in the suburbs, like everyone goes to college. So I was like, Hey, maybe I should do this college thing. And like, I mean, not a lot of people around me went to college. So (laughs) I wasn't like necessarily well versed in the process or any of like the options or, you know, I kind of had to do a lot of it myself and, Ended up at fucking Ohio Northern University. <laughs> Just get it. Great choice. Great school. <laughs> Just get it. Great school. 
So that's it. Leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Like, share, comment on YouTube. And uh, we'll see you next time. We appreciate you. And no energy vampires. No energy vampires.